What? Gordon and what? Jake want to keep you up to date on all the action, all the newsmakers, and all the big opinions on the Zone Sports Network. This is What's Going On on 97.5, 1280The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, time for What's Going On, brought to you today by our friends at Action Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Mention this ad and receive $33 off any service. Call today, 801-833-3333. That's 801-833-3333 at Action Plumbing. What's Going On, where we check in with the other shows on the Zone Sports Network. Big uh, newsmakers, opinions, funny stuff uh, um, along those lines. Should we start with DJ and PK? Uh, they had Dennis Dodd on today, who uh, has been on this show a number of times. Great guest, great college football uh, writer. He gave his thoughts on BYU and the Pac-12. So BYU has gotten this incredible run this year, and they played well, and they deserved it and all this stuff. I'm wondering as far as what you – if Tom Homo were to call you, and they value uh, national media guys' opinions, and you're – you know, I mean, you're one of the stalwart guys out there. Everybody knows who you are. And so he says, what do you think we should do as far as our scheduling philosophy? Because they've been going like next year. They got seven power five teams, and then they've got, uh, I think, South Florida, Boise, and then they always play Utah State. So that's a pretty good schedule. And in the past, they come out of September with one, maybe two or three losses, Mm -hmm. and then the bowl game that they've already contracted with ESPN. It's just a matter if you get six wins and you play in it. So now here, they're 5-0. and They've taken on a little bit of the Boise schedule. You know, don't, because of their conference, they're not killing themselves in conference and maybe play one or two big games, and then you have an opportunity for a New Year's Day 6, which I think is probably the most realistic situation for BYU. So what would you be your counsel if Tom would do it? He probably won't, obviously. As, but as far as the BYU scheduling philosophy. No, that's the first thing. Tom Homo's not calling me. Tom, <laughs> Tom Homo's in another pay grade. He's, he's, and I love Tom. I've known him for years. Um, you know, I, I go back to a couple of philosophies. Those that of Bobby Bowden in the 70s at Florida State and Bill McCartney when he started at CU at Colorado in, the, in 84, I want to say, um, any place, anywhere, anytime. Now, the downside of that is, yeah, you may not get to a bowl. The upside is you can't get to where you want to be until you play these teams and then beat them and, and know what the standard is to beat them. So, I mean, you know, the downside of the the, uh, the schedule now, we just talked about that. You know, it, it's COVID. I know that it's not intentional, but it, it is what it is. And that's going to, you know, downgrade BYU's consideration for New Year's Six. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, maybe they're the last, uh, last team standing in that respect. But uh, you've, got, you've got to try to play those teams. And, you know, being an independent is different. But, I, again, I would go back to what Bobby Bowden did. Is, uh, I, I had to research some stuff for him when he, was, when he had COVID, and it looked like you know things weren't looking very good. And I was reminded what they did. In 1981, they played, and I'm not saying BYU should do this. It's not on the tip of my tongue. They played at Notre Dame, at Pittsburgh, at Ohio State. There were two more I can't remember that would boggle your mind. And they went six and five. Now, considering what they did after that, I don't think that's a bad result. I mean, I, I think that turned the program to like, hey, we can play with these teams, 
and beat them. Do you want to play those five on the road every year? Absolutely not. Maybe not in any given year. But I think it's something to think about. I just don't know what the right balance is. I, I, I can't tell you that. Obviously, they have the wins over Houston and Navy. Houston's coming off a 4-8 and eight season. Is that a really good win? Is Houston going to end up being uh, top third of the American Conference this year? Or was that just another team that has a name and has had a good decade but is having a bad year and a half? Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure about Houston yet um, under Dana Hoverson. You know, he ran off Derek King where if they, had, if they just had him, they'd be in the conversation. I mean, I think we all know how good he is. And Clayton Toon is, fi- is a fine quarterback, but he's not Derek King. Uh, and he's making a difference, uh, King, at, at, at Miami. So I, I, you know, I really question what he did last year, trying to stockpile players. And, and you know, after they started one and three, it's, it sent a terrible message to that team. Um, that I oh, would we'll start over, you know, we'll just punt this season to start over next year. But there's a lot of talent at Houston. There has been since they got good under Kevin Sumlin. That was years ago. Um, so they're always going to have speed. They're always going to have athletes. Their defense doesn't look very good at all. So I, I think that's, a, that's probably a really, really good matchup for BYU. So uh, last week, I think it was probably maybe the week before, the Pac-12 came out with its uh, media poll, and uh, it is what it is, as they say. Uh, do you have any objections with it? Uh, refresh me, because I, I probably missed that one. Or, uh, Oregon in the north. Yeah, Oregon and SC. Uh, I think that ASU yeah. second, Utah third, and so yeah, forth. Yeah, no. No, I mean, that's that's what I would have picked. Um, look, Oregon, I, I feel for Mario Cristobal, he's had five opt-outs. Yeah. And, and pretty significant guys. Penny Sewell, uh, one of those guys in the defensive secondary. I mean, really start, obviously starting guys. And, you know, can, can they win the North in the, in the Pac-12 without those guys? I think they can, but I think it really uh, cuts into their playoff chances, which the Big 12, I'm sorry, the Pac-12 is going to have a problem with starting so late and trying to get seven games in the fewest of any conference at that point, in any Power 5 conference. Uh, and then USC, I just talked to Keaton Slovis this morning. He, he has those concerns, too, that I just mentioned. You know, playing seven games without being interrupted by COVID. But I, I, I'd like, I'd like USC since last year when they got things settled down. And I know they had a bad, bad bowl game. That was a bad bowl game. But they seem to be settled down now. The recruiting's better. Um, this is going to be, for, for better or worse, a mulligan year for Clay Helton. They're not going to fire him this year. I don't think you can when you only play seven games. So, no, I, I didn't have a problem with it. That was Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports on with DJ and PK this morning. They hit BYU and Utah. Uh, what do you want to react to first, Gordon? Well, what he was saying uh, about BYU and its schedule, uh, obviously everybody knows it was COVID-caused, and uh, they had a terrific schedule lined up, and they had a good team. And we've been sort of waiting to see that combination because you always wondered, didn't you, when BYU started uh, scheduling better teams, what the better BYU teams would have done against that kind of schedule. They weren't prepared to handle it at first, and they were losing uh, a good number of those games. But you wonder what they would do this year. And Dennis Todd was talking about what Bobby Bowden did at Florida State and, uh, you know, playing whoever you can get a hold of and or whether you want to back off a little bit and have an easier schedule. And BYU certainly could do that as an independent 
And maybe they should do that uh, if they want. If they're getting so much run out of playing mediocre to bad teams, then what what would be your motivation to go back to playing, you know, all the teams that they had originally scheduled to play this year? You know, it it almost rewards, at least to some level, it rewards a poor schedule. Well, it does. And, it, it it depends on what what is the end game that we're talking right, about. What, right, what are, and that what, was that's sorry, the ahead. other part of it that I was gonna that I was gonna mention is that it it, it is it, it helps you until you get to the end when people look at it and say, or some people could look at it and say, what? Well, that's a nice sweet record, but you haven't played anybody, so you're not going to be rewarded with either a New Year six or with a, obviously college football playoff. So. But BYU's gotten more publicity this year than uh, in a long, long time. I don't know when the last time they got this kind of run. I think the best argument to be made for the the more loaded schedule, uh, and Tom Homo himself has, has made it often, is you've got to have something interesting to give your fans, man. I mean, yeah. it, having them walk over, you know, a bunch of UMasses uh, of the world, and and maybe you chalk up ten game, ten wins, or or you know, your your record looks pretty good on paper. But I mean, is that is that really what fans want out of independence? I I don't really think so. And and so maybe you get a more national run, or maybe you have a better chance at a New Year Six, even though I think it still would be slim. What what was it interesting getting there? Because I I think that independence just as a result of not being in a conference, makes it less interesting. So how do you overcome that? Like over uh, Notre Dame overcomes that by, one, having a partnership with the ACC, and two, having built-in interesting games with universities that they have a long history with. And so well, I, I think BYU, if they're going to be independent, I think they owe it to their fans to provide them an interesting product. And the best way that they can do that is by scheduling teams that are name interesting teams. Then, it, then it uh, comes down to which would you rather have a a uh, eleven in one record, eleven in two record, or play those teams that you're talking about where the individual games are more interesting, but you're seven and five. Well, if your answer is you'd rather have the ten win seasons, then go back to a league. Then go. I mean, seriously, then go back to a league. Go back to any league, because you yeah. can go to the AAC mm-hmm. and pump out some ten win seasons. You know, yeah. and make it more interesting because there's a conference race and there's built in bowl games and you develop history with schools and all those things that make college football fun. If yeah. you are if you are going to stay independent, I think you owe it to your fans to give them the most interesting product you possibly can. So then and, and this is that's what BYU has wanted to do. And so then the question becomes. Have you recruited well enough? Have you coached the guys up well enough to be able to have your cake and eat it too? Namely, play Utah, play Michigan State, play Arizona State, play Minnesota, play Missouri, play Houston, play Stanford, you know, and still come out with a a really, really top-level record. Uh, they just haven't been good enough to do that. But And that's what's frustrating about this, of course, which I, I say to myself every time, I'm not going to get frustrated by this because it's not their fault. But that's why it's frustrating because this year's schedule, they could possibly have had that team that did some damage with it, you know? Yeah, yeah. 
and, and yep. came away and put some wins together. And, and, you know, in the past when they've started to put some wins together in the independent era, you know, something happens. I'm thinking the year they started with Taysom, what they start? 4-0, 5-0, 5-0? And then he got hurt against uh, uh, Utah State and Christian Stewart finished out the year. And you, Was you that left going, uh No, no, no. Well, way more recent than that. More like 14 or 15. They, they were 5-0 that year? Yeah. And don't you remember? Taysom Hill got hurt. And then Christian Stewart came in for the rest of the year, and they struggled. They were four and zero, right, with a win over Texas. They uh, they beat UConn thirty five to ten, Texas forty one seven, Houston thirty three twenty five, Virginia forty one thirty three, and then lost to Utah or to Utah State in Provo thirty five twenty. Okay, all right. Actually, they lost four in a row after that. They did because they went on a big slide, and I think that was the same year Broncos defense where he'd put Nick Howell in charge and. And Nick was struggling. He had to take the reins back over. But we, we've seen them put together some wins in the independent era before, and then it just it doesn't work out for whatever reason. Well, this I could go have back. been the year they could have done it. Yeah, I agree with you, Jake. If you're going to be independent and play a, a top-level schedule, that, uh, that you can argue that if you succeed against that schedule, then you deserve real respect and real opportunity. Uh, but they haven't been able to do it because they haven't been good enough to do that. And maybe that would have happened this year. We'll, we'll, we'll never know at this point. But I still am sitting here looking at how, you know, BYU is ranked 12th. And who have they played? Yeah, but I've also been in that building when San Jose State's in town. <laughs> and I've been in that building when uh, USC with Matt Leinart and Reggie Busher in town. Yeah, you but what if, you, what if you played three of those teams? And then played a bunch of the lesser, or if not, if not bad teams, at least winnable games. So three good uh, teams and nine dogs. That's yeah. still rough. That stinks. Well, you're gonna it, do again, that. Go back to play in Wyoming every year. It depends on what your goals are. But I, I do have to give Tom credit for wanting to play better teams. And that schedule originally planned for this year. If they had been, uh, if they had gone undefeated or had one loss with that schedule, then, yeah, then uh, who could argue that they deserved a, a major, major bowl? All right. So, uh, your your thoughts on what he had to say uh, about Utah? Well, I don't know. what did he say about? Utah? Well, he talked about the the pecking order in the South and uh, well in the North as well. How much Oregon had lost with five players opting out, but yeah, you know USC yeah. should probably be the division champion. But Clay Helton, you know, getting a little bit of a free year, which I, th- I believe is uh, the term that uh, Dennis Dodd used. So we'll, we'll, well see what he does with it. The more I've thought about this, the more I think that Utah is going to surprise some people this year. I I, I think. That with the coaching they have in place and with the system that they have in place and and, and yeah, I, I think they, they're gonna I think they're going to be right there in the thick of it for the South title again. And if they do that, what an accomplishment that would be since so much of that defense is in the NFL right now. Well, we'll get into your column uh, a little bit later on, but the, they're well, not going to if they do that. <laughs> Uh, well, I, it's not that I was suggesting that they do that. Well, okay. If you, if you read the column, you'll see that most of the quotes that I have in there are from people who are suggesting it's a bad idea. But the, the, the whole the whole thing, and we'll get into it if you want, 
if you're going to have two quarterbacks, then you can't play them uh, concurrently. You have to play them consecutively. Well, let's let's save it because I want to get to this yeah. other clip and I, I want to do your column justice. So let, why don't we get yeah. to that at three thirty? Really, look in the Pac-12. Look at Oregon. Look at SC. And look at Utah uh, the, and maybe Arizona State. Nobody else from the north. Cal's getting a lot of random yeah, love. Yeah, well, I just uh, I guess it's one of those deals where you believe it when you see it. Certainly not going to be Washington State. Uh, let's check in with Hanson Scotty. I, I heard this live, and this is a, this is a funny bit. They do kind of a role playing thing. Uh, if uh, if Tom Holmo were to call and talk to the uh, athletic director at Texas State about canceling this weekend's game and replacing it with Colorado State, no, I thought you said you were all right. There's only one way to settle this conversation. No, I thought I thought you said that you were all right. Time, it's time to role play. We haven't done this in forever. All right, so hold on a sec. I got to find out who the AD at uh, Texas Tech is. What do you mean, Texas State? Or, Are yeah. you so you're Homo? No, you're. Uh, oh, I'm Tom Homo. You're Tom. I am Doctor Larry Tice. Okay. I'm a doctor. All right, so I call up. Hello, Doctor Tice. Yes, this is Doctor Tice. Hey, Tom Homo from BYU. How oh, you Tom, we're so excited. We got the. Uh, the charter all uh, fueled up and ready to go. We're excited to come to Provo and play BYU. You guys have been off to a great start, and uh, we're really excited to get up there and play some football. Well, I'm, I'm terrified to have to make this call and alert you to the fact that we've had too many players come down with COVID, and we will not be able to play this weekend. Oh, are you really? I, I mean, that's... That's really awful to hear. I mean, I know you had the Army issue earlier in the year, and the fact that you're going to have another weekend when you will not be playing any college football of any kind, that's that's really got to be awful for your players. Well, I wouldn't say any of any kind. I just would say playing against Texas State kind. We do have the numbers, however, to play against Colorado State this weekend. Whoa. (laughs) We will be. Wait a minute. So – you're not playing us, but you are playing Colorado State, and I, I I don't understand. Well, what you need to understand is we have enough players to play against Colorado State. We do not have enough to play against Texas State. Therefore, we will be playing against Colorado State this weekend. I don't even know. Like Tom can't come straight out and be like, "Hey, we're, we're he's got to come up with an excuse." It's best just to rip that bandaid right off. Tom, don't pill it slowly. Look, you know, we only lost to South Alabama by 10 and we only lost to Troy by 20. Like we're getting better. Uh, And we have a win against Louisiana Monroe earlier in the year. Like this thing's turning around. And and I think that we could provide your boys a really good test. I'm going to come clean with you. It's not a numbers issue. It's that your team is is terrible and it will actually take away from our rankings by playing you. It will actually hurt our current national standing by being on the same field with you. <laughs> Lloyd, you can't come clean. You got you have to make you gotta make up something. No, I thought that sounded great. <laughs> Tom, I'm I'm just heartbroken here. I never thought you'd treat us like this. Dr. Moreau. We are. That's Dr. Tice. <laughs> Dr. Tice. There's no Dr. island Whoa. out here. 
we are heartbroken as well. <laughs> we are heartbroken as well. But um, we, we as a university have a unique opportunity in front of us to increase our national standing. And so we will be going to Colorado State to play at Colorado State. Wait a minute. So we were going to come to Provo. You're leaving Provo in order not to play us. Yes, Dr. Tice. We took a road game <laughs> in an effort to avoid to avoid having to play you in a home game. So. You know, um, Mr. Holmo, you've been straight with me, and I'll, I'll be, I'll be uh, completely accurate with you. I've seen our team play, and we are awful. And I am disgusted by my coach's performance and our team's performance. And frankly, if I was not the athletic director here, I wouldn't want to play us either. So why don't you go play Colorado State with our blessing, and we wish you nothing but the best going forward. And we hope that uh, someday that uh, I will have an athletic director job at a school far better than this dumpster fire I'm at now, and maybe then we can schedule a better game. That got out of hand. You really got out of hand. That role-playing went bad quickly. Yeah, my bad. Pretty hilarious from those oh, guys. Yeah. It's, that stems from the story yeah. that the New Mexico-Colorado uh, State game for this weekend has been canceled, and uh, uh, Colorado State was going to be the home team. And can you can you call up Texas State and tell them we're playing a different game this <laughs> what weekend? He called him Doctor Moreau, Doctor Moreau, <laughs> or whatever. Could they yeah. do that? Could you do that? Could could BYU be that cold blooded and just say, you know what? Cancel, cancel. We'll the still play. send the check. <laughs> cancel the plane. But, yeah, uh, I was going to say, would there be a lawsuit involved in that? Yeah. You guys uh, have the weekend off. I, I do admire, uh, I think it says a lot about hands. His first way th- that he would go would be a, a complete bald-faced lie. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Dr. Tice. Yeah, we've had a, had a COVID issue, and we're going to have to cancel the game. You mean you're not going to be able to play football this weekend? Well, I didn't not, say that. Not against you. <laughs> uh, just, not against uh, you and your ilk. Oh, that's no. so funny. That's well, so funny. BYU is just stuck with what they're stuck with. That's, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You're you just going to keep winning. That's what you're going to do. Yep. All right. Uh, we want to remind you about our friends at the warehouse. We're going to be there Friday for a football Friday from 2 to 6, 1825 South, 300 West right there in Salt Lake City. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. It's the warehouse. Come see Alema and Coach Mack. Although, is Alema going to be there this week? Uh, the uh, tea leaves I've been reading say yes. Yes? Okay. There is a question as to whether it'll be Salt Lake or Orem. So stay no, tuned. No, it's Salt Lake. Oh, because the liner says Orem. It's Salt Lake. Okay. Yeah. 1825 South, 300 West. All right. Although you can go to the Orem location if you want to get hooked up with some sweet deals say on hi to furniture. Uncle Clayton. Yeah. 86 East University Parkway. The old did Toys we, R Us building. But we will we find be find out where uh, Alema went? Uh, Dell. Dell, Utah. <laughs> Lovely, lovely. On his way to Twilla. On his way to Twilla. Overshot it just a tad. All right. uh, We'll talk about Gordon's column coming up next. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280. Utah's most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
Shout out to Jessica, who wanted Paris by the Chainsmokers on a Total Request Tuesday. Songs about Europe. At Austin Horton, at Jake Scott Zone, at Gordon Monson. If you've uh, got a got a request, fire it on in. Gordon, let's talk about your column up now, sltrib.com. Headlined, could Utah have two starters at quarterback? Uh, break it down a little bit for us, Gordo. Well, the, you know, the age-old question is uh, – if you have, if it's a really tight race and you have two quality guys, can you utilize both of them? And uh, usually the answer comes back no. There have been some occasions where two quarterbacks have been used, and it's especially used like with, in a situation like Drew Brees and Taysom Hill, where one is uh, a more runner, the other is a gifted passer. And they have very distinct roles in that regard. And we're talking about Drew Brees, who is a Hall of Fame quarterback. So there are times when that those with that kind of diversity, you can go ahead and, and give that a whirl. But uh, in the case of Utah, they have two uh, more passing quarterbacks. Can you utilize two guys and sort of go with the hot hand? And I talked with uh, Mac about this. I talked with uh, Riley Jensen, our good friend, who was a college quarterback and who now uh, coaches kind of a a sports psychology kind of type of role up at uh, Utah State. And uh, then I talked with another coach who didn't want to be identified, but who is a very well-respected guy. And uh, they were all in chorus saying, uh, I don't think I would do that. And the reasons are interesting because you can do that with any other position, can't you? I think you can. You right? can. Okay. Not punter. Uh, if it's you not, have two you, punters, you have no punters. It's Yeah, that's true. And kicker. And usually it's not done on the offensive line. Oh, uh, I've seen I've seen platooning go on on the offense. It line. happened a couple of years ago with Jackson Barton at Utah. I can't remember who he was going in and out with. Was it Garrett Bowles? It might have been Garrett Bowles. Can't remember, but it it just doesn't happen very often. Well, uh, well, there's a physical toll as well when you play in, in the trenches like that, where guys uh, get worn down or get uh, nicked up or whatever. But for whatever reason, quarterbacks through the years have not uh, really found themselves in that situation. When they when they have found themselves in that, then uh, it, it oftentimes doesn't work out. And, uh, I, you know, uh, the guys that I talked with, including Riley, uh, said there are leadership uh, components to this whole thing, that you want to establish somebody as a leader. And playing quarterback is so complicated that there are mistakes that are going to be made. And if a quarterback feels like, oh, if I throw an interception, I'm going to be pulled, then chances are he's not going to have the faith in his receivers to go get the ball. He's going to hesitate. He's going to hold the ball. And he's oftentimes going to get sacked or make some other uh, mistake. And so, uh, you know, uh, Riley, let me uh, let me you know, find it here. He said, uh, as scientific as we like to make it with statistics, arm angles, and footwork, there's quite a bit of art to the position. In other words, Feel is an important aspect. If a quarterback is constantly worried that he isn't hot enough to be in the game, it's sometimes difficult to get hot. Sometimes it takes a couple of series to get a grip on what is happening. There's also the leadership component to it that's sometimes threatened by playing the two-man game. 
And he said the players get confused by it because then they don't know who to look for for to play in the clutch, who the real leader of the team is. And then he quoted Lavelle Edwards as saying, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. I'm not sure that that's absolutely true, but I I do think that uh, if I had two guys that I thought could play, then I would hold one in reserve and if the other one failed or it got to a point where it wasn't working or he got injured, then I I would go ahead. I wouldn't hesitate to go with the other guy if I thought that was in the best interest of my team. But as I said, I would do it consecutively, not concurrently, to muddy the picture. So I don't know, I don't know how you feel about that. Uh, if you were the coach and you had two guys who flat out could play, Jake, what would you do? Play one and sit the other. And wait for the first one to get hurt. Uh, I I don't know about waiting for what somebody if he, to get what hurt, if, but I'd pick one. I the this yeah. when this comes up, it, it I I find it laughable just because it's never worked. Never has platooning a quarterback worked. And the the Taysom Hill Drewbies thing does not count. Because, because that's we'll, that's QB one. Nobody yeah. can debate that Drew Brees is not QB1 and Taysom Hill coming in once in a while. That's not platooning quarterbacks. That's not what Utah tried to do back in the day at the Rose Bowl with Tommy Grady and Brett Ratliff. That's not what BYU unsuccessfully tried to do with Jake Heaps and Riley Nelson. It does not work. And Kyle Whittingham himself said after he tried it at the Rose Bowl all so many years ago, wow, I'm never doing that again. And I actually uh, believe him on this one, 100%. I don't, I don't think that will happen at Utah. If it happens at Utah, that is completely foolish but i've 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 never seen it happen there well it has happened i remember watching I and worked it was yeah i mean Where? well it depends on how you you say it worked i think craig morton way back in the day in the nfl used to share time with another quarterback and it, it, it i think it kind of worked it's did the, not did the forward pass exist then yeah, it's not it's not the way to go, in my opinion. I agree with these gentlemen who I talked with. Uh, and besides, the chances are good. I remember talking to an offensive coordinator who said that they did a study on what the odds were of somebody taking all the snaps without some kind of problem along the way, injury or something else coming up. And it was the, the percentage was pretty high that you were going to have to have two quarterbacks. Doesn't always work out that way, but uh, it often does. And so, uh, I would I would do what you said. I would I would do it consecutively, not uh, concurrently. And then and then, but I would make sure my team knows we're going with this guy as the starter. But this guy over here is really really good. So if we need him, or if something comes up, there's a situation that comes up where we got to call his number then I want you to rally around him because, you know, we're going with this guy, but that doesn't mean that this guy over here can't play. Although if you had, let, let's say you had, uh, uh, let's say Jim McMahon and Steve Young were concurrent in their in their eligibility years. Man, that would be tough. That would be tough not to play them both. And I know they did overlap for a very short period of time. But uh, I'll tell you, that would that would be a very difficult decision for a coach. And I would be tempted to use two guys. Way back in the day at BYU, 
Uh, Mark Wilson and Jim McMahon did share time, and there was a bit of a controversy, even among some of the team, as to who they favored among the two. But, I mean, I think they did a lot of winning. I, If I were selling uh, my quarterback situation to my team, I would have the stones to pick somebody and go that direction. And I know it sounds really good to say, hey, I'm picking this guy, but this guy's really good too. You've got to pick a guy and you've got to go with it because that's the guy the team has to fall in line behind. And when you mm-hmm. waffle, you have what happened at BYU with Jake Heaps and Riley Nelson, where the coaching staff wanted to play Jake Heaps and the players all rallied behind Riley Nelson. And that particular year was a disaster. So I I got to disagree a little bit, I guess. If you're going to pick a guy, you got you to gotta go with it. I don't think you absolutely have to, but I think in most cases you have to. Uh, if you had two guys who are really good quarterbacks, and that wasn't the case, the scenario you just painted, but if you had two great quarterbacks, I think I would be tempted to to maybe utilize both of them if I if if I found a, a situation that would allow it. The coach that I talked with, who really didn't want to give his name, he he said I hate playing multiple quarterbacks unless you truly truly aren't sure which one is best. Um, make a decision. I love better that. make a decision. That's what he said. And he said, if you play two guys, it's hard for either quarterback to get in a rhythm, not to mention the rest of the team. I also believe even when you stick with a guy who's struggling a bit, you demonstrate to the next guy up that you'll have his back in tough times when it's his turn and that he'll be able to play through the inevitable mistakes. So he said playing with a short leash does not create confidence for the QB or for the team in general. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. I agree with that. But sometimes it's a really difficult decision because if you have two guys who are absolutely equal in talent, and that does happen sometimes. You still got to make a you know, decision. Yeah, I think that's probably have the to. best way to go. I don't, I'm, I wouldn't say that you have to. Well, point. I, but, I'm still waiting to, to hear of an example where it works. It was from you know, All right, Mark Wilson and Jim McMahon. What year was that? That was 70, what was it, 78, 79, somewhere in that range. Hmm. But that's didn't, a stretch. Didn't Lavelle like encourage McMahon to to redshirt one year when he didn't want a year when he didn't want? I to? think he did end up redshirting. Yeah. So I think he did at they, some point. Yeah. They didn't really do it then. They did do it for one season. Hmm. Well, I'd have to go back and uh, and look at the how much they split. They just uh, they said here you play a few snaps and you play a few snaps. That's how it happened. You have a series. You have a series. Because I, I, I'll go back and look at this case, but I can't think of anything in modern history where that worked. You mean within the last ten years? Oh, certainly ten. <laughs> think twenty, twenty-five. And many coaches have tried it. My, well, my Hokies tried it one year. That's a disaster. How'd that go? Terribly. And what was the reason? They thought they had two guys that were equal, and they didn't make a decision, and then it ended up ruining both of them. They had. Uh... Yeah, I mean, I, look, in order to find one that works, you have to hunt and pick. I mean, it's 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 tough. It's tough to find them. And that's what these guys said who I talked to. They and I don't they, think Utah's going to consider that. They they preferred. But I, I, I think it's an interesting discussion. Just because it's it hasn't worked on the reg in the past, I, I hate saying never do something. It seems like there are certain scenarios where it could work. Um, but – you'd have to have a certain understanding with your team. 
because like these guys said, it would it might confuse them. And then you have guys picking sides, and uh, that's not a healthy thing. And besides, you're probably going to have to play both of them anyway in some form. All right, we'll have uh, more Big Show coming up right around the right around the corner. Uh, don't forget, Bowler's going to jump on with us coming up at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. He does every Tuesday. We always love talking with Bowler. Matt Williamson, our NFL insider, will be on with us at 4. Stay tuned. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. There isn't much that makes Austin Horton angry. Wait, who are we kidding? Almost everything makes Austin upset. This is Austin's airing of grievances. The tradition begins with the airing of grievances. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It is time for Austin's list, a list you do not want to be on, uh, yet uh, many people are, including myself. Who are we putting on the list today, Austin? Three uh, entities oh are going on the list today. <laughs> oh uh, first of all, Merriam-Webster. Uh, the writer of the dictionary? The, the, those people, those folk. Okay. Uh, they have come up with a tool. It's pretty cool called the Time Traveler tool. Okay. You go to their website, you click on the Time Traveler, and you select a year, and it tells you all the words that were added to the official Merriam-Webster dictionary okay. for that year. All right. So I went to the year I was born uh-huh. just to check it out. Uh-huh. And one of my least favorite words of all time was added into the dictionary of the year I was born. Tankini. I hate the word tankini. <laughs> Why? I don't even think I've heard that name. Tankini? Tankini? Yeah. It's a tank top. It's a bikini. It's a tankini. Why See, it's a that? stupid word. Sounds like a functional what? garment. Also, I don't like the word polymerase chain reaction, and that was added that year. So. Always hated that word. <laughs> Technically three <laughs> words. Uh, all right, so the Merriam-Webster goes on the list. Also, uh, a, a airplane that, uh, that this couple in Phoenix found a piece of an airplane toilet in their backyard. Ooh. Uh, they, and not, no airline is claiming that they have lost a piece of their airplane toilet. No one's coming Nobody, no one's coming forward and saying, "Oh, what, it was ours." But it indeed exists. It's somebody's. Yeah. What part of the toilet? Uh, it just says a part of an airplane lavatory. So maybe it's not the actual seat or something, but it's still identifiable as an aer- airplane lavatory. There's an airplane out there that returned to the tarmac without a piece, and it now landed in someone's backyard, and they're not stepping forward to say it's theirs. Thank goodness no one got hit by this thing. No kidding. What would have happened if it had landed on the roof of a house? Would it have gone right through the roof? I would. Have, it said it was buried about seven inches down. Uh, like half of it was ex, uh, buried in the ground. So pretty heavy stuff. And then finally, a woman who, uh, a, a con, it says a contrite Canadian woman who took pieces from the ancient Italian city of Pompeii 15 years ago, returned the fragments with a letter explaining how they have brought a curse to her life and she no longer wants the items. She goes on the list because she she stole artifacts. That's she not took, cool. took from Pompeii. Yeah. You don't do things like this. It's like the people that knock over the, the caroms in southern Utah. Don't touch things. Yeah. Go and okay. look. Go enjoy. Go explore. No touchy. So what she goes of? on the list for doing that, for stealing it in the first place. 
And then she what returned was, it just because the curse. Excuse me. Uh, oh. She returned it just because of the curse, not because it was the right thing to do. She didn't <laughs> want the curse anymore, like some Brady Bunch episode. It, just do the right thing and return it. What was the curse causing in her life? She really? said it's caused her many curses, including, well, this one's a bit macabre, uh, two bouts with breast cancer. But the, there was also just general bad luck that she and her family went through. She said, we are good people, and I don't want to pass this curse on to my family, my children, or myself anymore. Please forgive my careless act that I did years ago. And she just sent it to a, a travel agent there in Italy and said, here, you take it back. Well, at least she's trying to sort of do the right thing. Just to avoid a curse. And believe me, coming from a man who's cursed, you don't have to do things to be cursed. Uh, but you do. You should do the right thing just for doing the right thing's sake. Uh, and so, but apparently this happens so much in Pompeii that they've opened a museum of returned stolen artifacts that people have claimed to have been cursed. Wow, that's kind of incredible. So, Merriam-Webster... Uh, airplane people who aren't claiming their mistakes and uh, artifact stealers are going on the list today. All right. I like it. You shouldn't like it. It's supposed to make you angry. Well, don't take artifacts. <laughs> I think that's a pretty, you know. Like, didn't somebody knock over one of the goblins in Goblin Valley? That's I mean, what like, I'm talking we, about. Yeah, yeah. We, have some, we have some special places on this earth. Let's not mess it up. I agree with you. Go, because what's going to happen? You deserve what you get. Right. If you burn down Brian Head or, or uh, Bryce Canyon because you wanted to uh, avoid pulling weeds, you deserve the punishment coming your way, but I should still get to go enjoy that place. Yeah, Just because you were an idiot. You know, Austin and I have this off-air joke about how we should bring back tar and feathering. And uh, and the guy who burned down Brian Head with a flamethrower, that guy, that guy would be a prime candidate, right? I, I'm not saying I'd vote for it, but I'm saying I'd be all right if it were an option. It'd be okay. Yeah. Because it would probably serve as a great deterrent. I mean, the guy will just, you know, pick his own. I'm weight. never speeding again <laughs> if there's, an, if there's a, a possibility I'm being tarred and feathered. Oh, yeah. Oh, Gordon, would be in real trouble. Well, I'm telling you right now, I would definitely, I've never been tempted to steal an artifact. Would Holy you keep cow. it to uh, to 70 if the punishment for speeding was tar and feathering? Uh, in residential areas. Oh, please. I'm not, I'm not careless in that regard. Um, well, I don't want to be tarred and feathered. Yeah, see, it, hey, it's the, a the fine fact deterrent. That you guys, the fact that you think that's a good idea makes me question your judgment. Well, you're a guy who drives like 95 on the freeway. You know, I was hit Kyle Whittingham once with my car. If you if you would keep it under 70, then that strikes me as a, as a pretty good deterrent. That's all. I don't drive 95. Well, I'm not saying that I never have driven 95. Today. Uh, but uh, be careful out there, everybody. And if you lose a piece of your airplane toilet, own up yeah. to it. Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, you know what? Uh, tar and feather that company's CEO. <laughs> and and uh, tar and feather the uh, the artifacts gal. And Merriam-Webster. I don't oh, know. That, that one might be a little, pretty, a little far. What? That's really curious to me. Why do you hate that word so much? It just it's, it irks me. Why? It's not a real word, and they made it a real word just because people kept using it. They did that with the irregardless. That bothers me, too, yeah. just because it's a win for PK. No, PK always made fun of it. This is taking away his joke. Oh, he always said it is a word. 
No, he <laughs> he would just use it because he found it funny because other people use it. So he's mocking people that say irregardless. Well, if it's a loss for PK, I'm okay with it. Yeah, that, now it's a word. He can't mock them but anymore. But Tankini, just because some kid came up with it, Merriam-Webster is like, okay, put it in there. Oh, so someone thought it was a useful word. So uh, describing something that didn't really have a word for it. All right, throw throw the good folks over at Webster on the on the tar and feather list. I'm fine with that. <laughs> tar and feather list. Uh, have you guys ever been on a plane that didn't have a toilet? What? I've never. I've only used the plane toilet one time in my entire life, actually. But I've never really taken stock as to whether or not there's a toilet there. It's just nice to know it's there, you know, whether you use it or not. Have you ever I, been on a plane? Were you, like, flying it? around with the Red Baron back in the day? Yeah, or have you been on a plane? <laughs> what plane doesn't have a toilet? A small plane. I was flying, oh, from, uh-huh. I was flying from Redding, California to San Francisco to catch a flight back to L.A., and uh, all they had were these little – I mean, little, I mean, it was just – teeny plane and i made the mistake i was in a hurry and i didn't stop to use the rest room before i got on that thing <laughs> and i'm telling you right now when we were flying towards san francisco i i i was holding on for dear love did you I say it, did, did you say it uh, was uncomfortable excuse me miss Earhart, but could you step on it i've got a plane to catch <laughs> No, I needed a bathroom. That's what I needed. But well, I, it couldn't have every, been that long of a flight if it was a plane without a toilet. Yeah, as I said, I didn't. Uh, I didn't stop to use the toilet before I got on the plane, <laughs> so it had been a while, and uh, it was rather tense. Excuse me, Captain. Could you open the hatch? No reason. Hey, I guess I, I could have said, "Hey, anybody got a cup?" You know. Yeah, you could have. You could have said that. Uh, excuse me, Mister Limberg. Can I call you Chuck? <laughs> Do you do you do you have a cup on you? Hey Orville, <laughs> would you mind tipping over the ocean for a moment? Tell Wilbur to get off his duff <laughs> and give me something to pee in. Stay tuned. More national NFL football. What? I should have known I was on the wrong plane when uh, the pilots uh, uh, dipped down below the cloud line, looked at the the uh, area, and and said, "Nope, that's not it." And they climbed back up again, and uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, it was discomforting. We'll uh, talk to our friend Matt Williamson next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.